They keep you up at night. They haunt you in your dreams. They will always find you. And there is no escape. Welcome to the new mini-series, where each day we will hear the scariest, most horrifying tales from both distributors and suppliers throughout the month of October. This is Promo Horrors, the haunting tales of your nightmare orders, hosted by Taylor Borst and Stephen McFadden. And welcome back to Promo Horrors, the nightmare tale of your promotional orders and stories and all sorts of spooky things that go bump in the night. With us today, we have an amazing guest. I don't know how we got him, but we did, and but we will come to him in a little bit. But before I mention our guest, we have someone returning from an amazing trip abroad, Taylor Borch with American Solutions for Business. Taylor, how are you? Hello. Oh my gosh. Yeah, you're you're right. I'm really coming off of uh, vacation mode right now, but I couldn't think of a better guest to have to just jump back into things. It's <laughs> going to be a little bit of a different podcast, but I'm pumped. Yeah, I'm, I'm super excited to, to get to it. But before we do, I want to say a special shout out to Hip Promotional Products. They have an awesome line out called AWS. For those of you that don't know, AWS product line um, was inspired uh, based on the, the passing of um, the former uh, president and owner of Hip Promotional Products. And they have put aside um, a, a line of products to give back and 5% of all the products go back to a variety of charities. So it's an awesome way to provide some purpose with your promotional product giving. And so definitely check them out. At the top of their page, there's a little tab that says AWS. So if you're looking for something special um, or to do a little bit more with the giving that you're doing, I think that's a great, great location to check out. So Taylor, who do we have with us today? Oh, today we have the president and CEO of PPAI, None other than... Wait, what? On, on this podcast? <laughs> I know! Uh, <laughs> we have Paul Bellantone. So so Paul has a very big title, but very modestly says that he simply works for the industry to grow and protect it. So, Paul, a very big welcome to you. Guys, I have to tell you, you're overselling it. I was excited about your next guess, and then all of a sudden I get announced and... <laughs> okay, let's we'll do, we'll see what we can do here to to try to meet your expectation. Oh man! <laughs> so Paul, I know um, you know most of our stories talk about you know orders gone awry or factories burning down or something crazy like that. But if I have to think of someone that probably has more of those uh oh moments when they get into their emails every morning, I I think of you actually. I think you probably have more promo horror stories that are big picture than anybody I can think of in the industry. Paul, what, t- tell, me, tell me about what you're, what you're going to talk to us about today. So you're, you're right. I don't uh, make any products. I don't sell any products. What I do is um, I sell our industry and I sell it to marketers. Mm-hmm. I sell it to the, the business community about the value of promotional products. I will leave the, uh, the banter between suppliers and distributors to chat groups on social media where they, everybody can beat <laughs> each other up. But um, for me, you're, you're exactly right. I, I can be driving into the office knowing that my day is going to look a certain way, and then I get that dreaded email that, that says some publication someplace 
beat up our industry around something. And um, one that stands out for me is actually one that was in Fast Company. Uh, I think it was mm-hmm. about a year ago. And uh, I think the title is it's, to- it's Time to Stop Spending Billions on Trade Show Swag or Conference Swag. And, and I remember it, it created a lot of discussion around the industry about how will we respond to that. And, and really, the, our members had two different approaches of it. There were some people who wanted to you know, find this, this woman, this poor <laughs> woman who was getting paid to write an article with torches and pitchforks and let's go storm her home. And there were other people who I thought took a really um, thoughtful approach to responding to what she said. And uh, I'll give you a little bit of backstory on it. So my PR person comes to me and says, hey, this, this is going to become an issue and we need to address it right away. And we address issues like this probably on a monthly basis. You know, not all of sure. them are fast companies. Some of them are, are more local um, intra- industry um, publications. And, and we respond by talking about the value of promotional products, and we talk about how when they work, how successful they could be, and how they can move the needle on affecting behavior and make people feel like they're part of something bigger. Um, but I, I think that we as an industry responded to that horror pretty well because we had this one-two punch. We had the... Um, we had a response from PPAI which was a little bit sterile but very factual. And then groups like uh, Promo Kitchen and the folks up at Common Skew and Bobby Lee who and, and Mark Graham responded to um, the author in a very thoughtful, different way. And I, I think that, from my perspective, is how our industry needs to deal with these challenges. Is One, we need to be factual, but then we need to remind them of the importance that promotional product has. I, I know um, you, you don't have to go too far to realize how polarized we are as a, as a society, that you know, somebody has to be right and somebody has to be wrong. Mm-hmm. But, qu- but quite frankly, she was right. The author was right. Not every piece of promotional product that gets into the marketplace is valuable and and really um, meets the needs or the expectations that we should have as it as an industry. So I think both can be true. We addressed it. And I would tell you that because of that one-two punch that we addressed it with, we probably have a fan out there right now who sure. happens to be sure. a journalist who understands that, yeah, not, not that it's always right, but we could always be doing better. And, and that's kind of the lesson I took away from that, that article, that situation. You know, it's interesting, you know, I was, I was trying to put myself in your perspective, you know, in your position. Um, you know, if, if, you know, if all I did was, was sell cars, for example, and there was a, you know, an article out there that said, all cars are bad and they explode, yeah. you know, so can you get into the office and you're like, well, that's going to do, that's going to do a little hit to our industry, you know, <laughs> yeah. but, but, you know, at the same time, people still have to drive. Right, so it's it's almost like it was a, it, it seemed personal, but honestly, there was a lot of merit to it. And I just I'm just trying to think, you know, what went through your head when you first saw it? It was was it a this is gonna this is gonna hit, or is or is it more of a you know how how are we gonna respond? I mean, what was the what was well, your reaction? I thought she actually made our case in her opening statements because mm-hmm. she talked about how she you know cherishes an NPR bag 
that she had gotten. Yeah. And then yeah. she talks about how she actually dropped her subscription to the New York Times and then resubscribed so that she can get another tote. Right. So for me, it was really how do we how do we capitalize on those things that say you're right about the cars. It's like not all cars are bad. Not all products are bad. How do you how do you get people to respond in a way that says you're right? There is merit to this. But it goes back to how could we do it better? You know, then she makes the emotional pull on the end, and it's like, you know, there are people in foreign countries with bloody little fingers, and, you know, it's like, okay, we get that, you know, but I can't think of sure. even the most well-respected names and brands that haven't stumbled and tried to do better. So I, I, I looked at it that way, and, but you're right. First thing I had to do was take out the emotion. You know, <laughs> believe me, she was not on my fan list. And and I actually have to back up a little bit and say, I'm not prepared to respond to this because it's going to be purely emotional. And then, you know, like all of us, you, you don't send that email. You wait right. and you send the next right one that you're one thinking you about. It. <laughs> right. It was therapy. <laughs> you know, I do think one of the, the important things that were was mentioned in there was the corporate social responsibility. And that's yep. obviously been something that, that our industry has had to fight for a long time. Um, I can't help to think, though, that, you know, since that article came out, I don't know if it's just my awareness of this, but there's there's been a lot of great things in the industry, you know, between promo cares, obviously, which has been a huge sure. movement. Um, you're seeing you know, suppliers all over the place add in special brands that give back and promote social, you know, corporate social responsibility. Do you think that it had anything to do with it? Or do you think that was just something where the industry was moving anyways, and this kind of helped catapult that? Yeah, it was probably an accelerator, and it made it a little bit more top of mind. Um, I, I believe that it needs to be more cultural. Social corporate responsibility or social good it needs to be baked into our products. It needs to be something that we're not looking at as a separate line item, but that it, it's part of our everyday business. And I will tell you, we're not there yet as an industry. Um, we're, we're not there yet as a society, but specifically as an industry. I use an analogy. I shop at both Nordstrom's and I shop at Walmart. And I know <laughs> that when I shop at Walmart, that you know, the product's going to be of a certain quality and it's going to be, um, and, and it might have a certain lifespan and it's going to have a certain design. I go to Nordstrom and I know what to expect from products that I buy there, but I never walk into either store and think, was this made in a safe factory? Was, you know, is this social compliant? Is this product safe? I think our industry needs to get that way. So whether we're spending, somebody's spending, you know, 50 cents on a product or $50 on a product, the, the the good working conditions and the you know safe environments and the, and the the give backs need to be embedded in that product and we have a ways to go but I do see it picking up momentum. So Paul, how how do you um, suggest that we move forward to make that a more important and key part of our business? Because a lot of the time things aren't going to happen until the customer requests it or until it's um, you know there's actually money to be made. I mean, I, as much as I hate to say that. At yeah. the end of the day, it, it really comes down to that sometimes. So we're in the process of doing It's a great question, Taylor, because we're, we're wrestling with this at the board level and at the senior volunteer level, that how much of this can you dictate and how much of this, you know, the, 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 
the cycle on things like this is it starts out as some companies' individual advantage. We have some companies that are out there that have built their entire businesses on the fact that they're going to operate in that margin of saying, I'm only going to use these types of suppliers and I'm only going to work with these types of customers. Um, until that becomes cultural, I think that we need to just continue to educate and inform members of what's available to them. I always think about it as aspirational. I think it's aspirational for us to believe that our entire industry is going to be using this as a focus. But I also like to be able to point to aspirational things. You know, it's, with, it's continuous improvement. We're, we're doing a process right now where we have these senior volunteer groups together ranking issues um, of the industry. One of the issues is consolidation, one's technology, one's social good, one's diversity. And we've asked them to rank them one through five, which are most important. And then we've also asked them to say, and which ones should PPAI be driving? Like, how engaged should we be? And frankly, the social good, right now, people are saying you should inform and educate, not mandate. So when it came to product safety a couple of years back, we mandated it. We made it so that every single company that wanted to do business through the association had to be product safety aware. They had to take those education sessions. They're not quite there yet on social good. You know, it's it's a... It's, it's still a little bit of a warm fuzzy. Um, you know, tell you're in the product procurement um, mm -hmm. area of the business, but you also have customers that may or may not be willing to pay for that yet. Right. Right. And that's the balance that we need to strike. Hmm. No, that's great, Paul. I know you had mentioned, um, but before you come on to, you had. Um, some other hot topics that you know may maybe face the industry as a in, as it relates to a promo horrors for you. <laughs> um, yeah. Any any other things you want to touch on uh, today? Um, I, I I like to talk about where I think our industry is doing good things in the face of those challenges. Yeah. I watch I watch what we're doing on the legislative and the regulatory side, and I've watched our members really step up to the plate as it relates to things like Prop 65, which could really be crippling mm -hmm. to an industry right now. You think about Prop 65 as a labeling law, right, where you have to put this horrific label on a product that said that this, you know, nothing good is going to come from this because right. we've got these 900 <laughs> chemicals and blah, right next to a company's brand, right? So you're trying to sell somebody's brand, and by the way, here's a little cancer warning to It makes it sound you know, like my brand will cause cancer. Yeah. Right. Um, but I think our industry has responded really well to it. I think that we've we've met the mark. I hear I hear much fewer challenges on Prop 65 than I, I ever have before. I'm watching us get more creative in how we put products out there. I'm also watching our industry manufacture products to the highest standard. Like, let's not worry about the labeling. Let's just always sell products that meet the criteria so that it doesn't have to be labeled. So um, whether it's on the regulatory side with things like Prop 65 or on the or on the reg on the legislative side, where I watch you know 75 or 80 members go to D.C. every year with you know with our, our leadership and and talk to their, their elected members of Congress about the value of promotional products and reminding them that the things that got you elected are the things that we sell. So that there is value in them. That's true. I, I love watching our industry respond. 
it's easy for us, Stephen, for them to get for us to get tagged with waste, fraud, and abuse, right? Right. Because right. we're easy to hold up. Like mm -hmm. the, you know, the news can say, well, even you know, you look at the census. There are there are mugs and things that were given out as part of the U.S. Census, and you know, we heard the cry. It's like, oh, we shouldn't have people giving things out, you know, with government money. It's like, wait a minute, we had a higher response. We came in under budget. And the, and the census was completed sooner than they anticipated. Maybe we have something to do with that. You know, right. maybe maybe a blanket that has the name of a homeless shelter and address on it. Maybe that's not waste and fraud. You know, so we right. we try to strike that balance between, you know, what's look. I'm a taxpayer too. What's a good spend of our money and what's not? That's awesome. That's that's some great perspective. Um, before before we let you go, Paul, I, I want to end it on a on a, a, a f another fun note here. Taylor and I always ask a, a Halloween or fall inspired question, and um, you know, I I just got news of our state fair. They've announced some new food items. Okay, and I, I want to get your take on this. They have pumpkin spiced corn on the cob. They have Pumpkin spice hush puppies. Where, where does the pumpkin spice end, Paul? Like, is I, this... <laughs> I don't know. You know, and I'm look. I'm I'm going to say this, and now the whole you guys are going to shut down the uh, this, this thing. <laughs> I don't like Starbucks, so I've never really gotten thrown into. I think they. I think we're going to blame Starbucks first of all because they're the ones who really started the pumpkin spice everything. <laughs> So I'm blaming it on I'm actually blaming it on Starbucks and I'm blaming it on Bill Petrie, who yeah. tends to do a disproportionate amount of posts and and conversations around <laughs> pumpkin spice. That's true. You know, but maybe he secretly likes pumpkin spice. I think spice, he does. I think he, he owns stock that... in the spice. That's what it is. <laughs> also, I have a question. What is a hush puppy? Seriously? I'm from Minnesota. Is that's like the outside of a corn dog rolled Pretty into much. a ball. It's um Oh, got it, got it, got yeah, it. Yeah, it's a little fried delicious goodness of of everything it's, yeah it's yeah. nothing that's recommended by the american heart association no. which means oh, it's yeah. good i can't it could be on the pumpkin like spice it. version of that though that sounds i have a gross. feeling the uh the the, uh, the pumpkin spice hush puppies may be on the prop 65 list i don't know <laughs> yeah so they we have the texas state fair here which they they do the same type of food competitions too and it's deep fried everything so it's deep fried literally deep fried beer Deep fried Oreos, oh, yeah. deep fried Snickers, deep fried. So, <laughs> yeah, it's same same thing. Oh man, that's awesome. Well, before I let everybody go, I want to say a quick uh, shout out to Hit Promotional Products again. Uh, thank you so much for being a sponsor of Promo Horrors. If anyone has any items that they want to provide some purpose uh, with their product giving, check out their AWS line. They've got awesome items on there where five percent goes back to a variety of charities. So great way to to put some purpose with the products you're, you are providing to your customers. Taylor, Paul, it was awesome. Thank you so much for the uh, the conversations. We really appreciate it. It's been a pleasure. Thanks so much, guys. Thanks, guys. Take care. Okay. This has been another episode of Promo Horrors. Tune in tomorrow as we hear another nightmare tale from the promotional products industry.